The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the 2015 Twin Cities Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. So we're going to be talking about um, how to use your Twin Cities Project experience. And I think it's kind of a, a cool idea to talk about and engage over now so that you can really think about, okay, what, what do you want the Lord to do through your Twin Cities Project experience? So some of you guys might be on this end of the spectrum where you might feel like, well, I wanted to get involved with, with something. I'm kind of somewhat connected to Campus Outreach. What opportunities are there this summer? Oh, Twin Cities Project. Okay, I'll do that. Some of you guys might be way over here where it's like, man, the idea of gaining vision for my city, for the workplace, ministering in my neighborhood, that's what I'm really excited about. And you guys might be somewhere all the way in, in, in between, but what the TCP is really about is to help you guys gain vision for your city, for your workplace, and learning how to minister with where God has called you to. So um, I think it's kind of like when you put on sunglasses, you kind of have a new lens to look through life. We're hoping that by you guys being involved with TCP, you would kind of put on a new lens, so to speak, of where God is calling you to and um, the, the place where he has you. So when you think about your city, your workplace, through that new lens, we want you to get the most out of this city, get the most out of your work experience, and start thinking about how can you serve this city and workplace. Um, I was reading with Tyler this morning um, the verses for today. Did you guys all get the, a chance to do that, the Jeremiah passage? And um, Tyler, what was your, your one-line kind of summary synopsis of, of what we let, uh, read this morning? I thought it was really good. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. Um, you should pull it up and remember. Or why, why doesn't someone share, if you guys read this morning, if you were to describe those uh, four, four verses in one sentence, what, what would you guys say? The idea of multiplication, you remember that? Multiplying? Oh, yeah, it was like, Invest in your city and your city invests in you. There it is, yeah. Invest in your city and your city will invest in you. And you guys can look look at uh, your job um, this summer or you can look at being in the Twin Cities uh, in a sense of how can I get the most out of this city and work experience. So kind of like the idea of taking. Or you can look through it in the lens of how can I serve this city and this workplace. So when I was at the U, I went to the U, I was a public relations business major. We had advisors that kind of like helped us walk through picking classes and that transition time of uh, when you're going to graduate, the types of jobs you would potentially take. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said something along these lines where he, he said, you know, these are the jobs I would recommend. Uh, the U has this program called Gold Pass where they connect you with different employers and he kind of like drew up on a map for me. Um, this thing keeps sliding. I'm just going to put it here. Uh, he put up on a map, like, okay, Nick, this is what you need to do in life and in your, in your career. So take your first job and uh, milk it for all it's worth. So uh, get all the experience you can possibly get. Um, try to get all the promotions you can possibly get. And eventually you'll kind of peak out. And when you start peaking out, that's when you start looking for a new job. Because only certain companies will have a, a growth but eventually it, it's, it slows down and you can't really get anything more out of it. 
you've already reached the top for promotions. Isaac was showing me his HR manual, and there's different like grades or classes that kind of rank your pay. And eventually you kind of reach the top and there's, there's not any more room. So at that point, okay, jump ship and go to another place. And then he kind of walked me through his history of jobs. And in some senses, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. You want to always be growing and developing. But when I step back and think thought about it, it's really, it's the idea of just taking, taking, taking. It's all about yourself. And um, his vision for my life was really shaped by, I think I was really shaped by that idea of taking and self-serving. So take all you can get, level up, so to speak, as far as you can get. You know, work all the raises, the bonuses you can possibly work. Then when there's no more potential room, leave and do it all over again so that you can, you know, get, get your own, so to speak. And that idea is somewhat of a, an American worldview, too, of, um, you know, you're always constantly upgrading. So you might live as a student in the dorms your first year. And then after that, you kind of graduate to maybe like off-campus housing and it's like, ooh, no more dorm meals, I get to cook for myself and maybe it's a little bit nicer. And then maybe your junior or senior year, you get that coveted, nicer place on the campus that it's kind of reserved for the juniors or seniors. And then you graduate and you kind of move off-campus into a, maybe a neighborhood and you get a little bit better. And then uh, maybe you start your first job and you, you know, maybe you get upgrade your car, upgrade your living situation. And as you advance in life, it's always about, okay, what's the next upgrade? How can I get a little bit more? And for me, I often struggle with this. And it's been somewhat deceiving to think that there's security in bigger and better things. So personally, this is my struggle right now. So uh, we have a, a rather large yard in, uh, in the Phillips neighborhood. Um, but it's pretty crappy. Like, there's rocks, and it's, it's not, like, plush green grass. So I've been going to, to friends' houses, and they've, you know, planted, like, really nice grass. And the thought of, like, my boys, like, rolling around and not getting, like, cut up on rocks. Oh, man, that would be great. Or, uh, or like, there's some people's yards where it feels like, like, a, like you just walk into it, and it's plush green garden, like, really great landscaping trees, shade, our, tree, our yard doesn't have any trees right now. And uh, I've also kind of been coveting like a fence, like just privacy. Um, we have a, a pretty, 15th Avenue South is right off of Bloomington. So um, it's a pretty high traffic street. Um, there's a church on the corner, Lake Street's just a couple blocks up. So we get a lot of traffic. So in some ways I've been coveting, oh man, to be able to walk out into my yard and not feel like everyone's out there all the time, where it's kind of like a fishbowl, like everyone can kind of see you, like, oh, that would, if I had that, then I would be satisfied. And what I think the Lord's been teaching me in, because I haven't had that, we've really gotten to know a lot of our neighbors. And um, we have this system, like with the kids in the neighborhood, we put up green flags, like in the alley. Green means the park's open, come on and play. We've got some soccer goals set up, so people kind of just come in. Red flags mean, sorry, the park's closed, don't can't come in right now. So we have some boundaries, but not, not like people can just kind of walk in whenever they want. But what the Lord's been doing uh, in that is we really get to know our neighbors. The kids in the neighborhood know us by name. We've gotten to know a lot of their families. Um, Abdi, he's a Somali man. He's like 70. He lives across the street from me. Um, he kind of just comes, sits, and talks with his other Somali friends kind of on our, our steps. And uh, one day I saw him at Bethlehem, and he was doing this, the Somali adult literacy training. And I was like, hey, you're one of my neighbors, right? He's like, what are you doing here? 
I was just walking out of church and he was doing uh, salt uh, training, education. And that formed a relationship. We'd see each other in the hallways at Bethlehem and eventually um, we started talking about getting lunch. He took me out to like authentic Ethiopian food and he came over to our house and got to eat with my wife and our two boys. So in some ways, like by not having all that the world says is great, like comfort, security, plush green grass, a nice fence, like all these things that I think would bring me hope in life, like God's been using that to like get to know my city. So um, there's, uh, I think it's a verse in Colossians, like that talks about the things that are seen are transient, but the, the things that are unseen, what's that verse? Who knows that verse? The unseen, transient, Jared? Yeah. Uh, basically like, uh, uh, not a very good illustration, but I think there's a, uh, there's the idea that um, you you can think that if you uh, if you had all the things that you're you're hoping for, like that's where that's where life is going to be found. But in some ways, the unseen things of not having a, a fence or not having plush green grass or the things that I think would bring me hope is actually bringing me a lot of joy because I'm forming relationships with all these people in my neighborhood. So um, I, I want to talk about three things today. Um, the first, you guys, if you guys are note takers, you can write this down. Vision, prayer, and connection. Vision, prayer, and connection. So when I think about the summer for TCP, I think about wanting you to maybe for the first time clarify or enlarge your vision for seeing your city and your workplace through the lens of what's Bethlehem's mission statement for you guys that are members or regular tenders? Who knows what Bethlehem's mission statement is? Go ahead. Spreading passion, spreading God. Spreading passion for the supremacy of God for the joy through through Jesus Christ. That's right. And uh, I think. I think that's an awesome vision statement, and it's, it's on our wall. All the pastors reference it. Bethlehem's ministry, in a lot of ways, flows through that vision. And I think if you're a regular attender or a member at the church, I think in some ways you adopt that vision for your life. And Campus Outreach, Campus Outreach's vision statement is Bethlehem's vision statement, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ. Now, the Campus Outreach uh, contextual context is the college campus. So what's Campus RH's specific mission statement? Yeah, glorifying God by building labors on the campus for the lost world. So there's a little bit of a nuance to it. So it's the <coughs> campus context. In the Twin Cities project, the, the, the nuance or the context is is what? Neighborhood and workplace. So that's what we're asking God to do. But we're not going away from spreading a passion for the supremacy of God, for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ. We're just adding on by getting to know our neighborhood and work and connecting God's work to that. That would be maybe a, a way of saying what is um, the TCP mission statement. So for you guys, you might have a nuance of your specific gifting, your specific calling. You know, some of you guys are teachers, engineers, um, media professionals. So whatever God's burden you with, Think about how is he calling you to spread a passion for the supremacy of God, for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ in your particular campus. So Anne just got a job at a marketing agency. Ad agency. Ad agency. So her context is that's her, that's her place of ministry. She lives on the campus right now. So that's where God's called her to. 
So think about where God's called you to and start asking him to develop a vision for what he would do through you. Um, so what's your nuance? How has God given you a vision? Where is your calling? What are your gifts that God has called you to steward? And what's going to be your vision for your life? So it's kind of a, a big picture, you know, kind of going way up to 40,000 foot view. So kind of like you can think of like on the ground decisions like, uh, okay, what am I going to do today? Or you can go all the way up to 40,000 foot view and say, hey, how does God want to use me? What's, what's my life going to be about? What, what do I want to give myself to? So there's tons of opportunities that uh, Pastor Mike talked about that you guys can plug into. Um, but think through, okay, how has God gifted me and where, where do I feel burdened by? And if you don't feel a burden yet, Start praying for one. Start praying for a burden that God would say, hey, me and Alex, we're going to plug in because I like Alex and I feel like we're doing mission together. Like, where can we plug in together? Like, that's why we're doing this as a team. You guys have small groups. In some ways, you guys are going to be a team. Now, just because you're in a small group or a discipleship group this summer doesn't mean you all have to do the same thing. But you guys are going to be laboring together in a lot of ways and praying for each other and fighting for each other and thinking for how to connect God and faith to your workplace and thinking through that. So when I think about vision from the Bible, um, I think about the story of Nehemiah. So why don't you guys turn to Nehemiah. So we've got the Chronicles, first and second, Ezra, Nehemiah, Old Testament. I love the story of Nehemiah. Um, when I was going on staff, this is kind of where I camped out. I, uh, I was really, I'm still a big fan of Mark Driscoll, and he had a sermon series on Nehemiah, which I don't know since the Marcel kind of evaporated in some ways, like where's all his speaking content? I don't actually know the question. I don't know how to find it now, but um, if you get a chance, it's a really great series. And probably when I look back in my life, like when was the time I felt most connected and intimate with the Lord? It's probably right after I graduated. Uh, I was moving from Minneapolis to Los Angeles, and I was kind of on my own. I didn't know anyone out there, and it was just me and the Lord and studying Nehemiah before work. I had about an hour-long commute, so I would listen to the podcast on the way to work. I'd get to the office before anyone else got there, and I'd just, just read Nehemiah and ask the Lord to kind of give me a vision. So we're going to bounce around a little bit. Um, so I'll kind of give you the synopsis of what happened. So we'll start in chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Pekaliah. Now, now it happened in the month of Shizlev, in the 20th year, I was at Susa in the capital, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before the day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly. Um, okay, we're going to jump down a little bit uh, to verse 11. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. 
Okay, so what's happening is his hometown was basically destroyed, and he hears about it and is just mourned over it. So think about, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the news article, there's some weird mysterious plane kind of flying around different, uh, uh, the malls kind of basically. I think it's some government plane doing something, but just think about like if 9-11 happened in Minneapolis and all of our big spots were just destroyed. Would you guys not feel burdened by our city? Um, not saying that there's a terrorist attack that's going to happen, but just think of like some major destruction to the Twin Cities and feeling burdened by it. That's what happened to Nehemiah. In those days, if the gates or the wall of the city came down, they would just be overrun and people would come in and uh, just take over the city, so to speak. So he's, he's really burdened by it. And um, that's kind of the vision God gives him to go and rebuild the walls of his, uh, his hometown. And uh, we're going to go to chapter 2 now. And we're going to look at uh, just the first uh, eight verses. And I'll just kind of jump around a little bit. Okay. Um, so what, what, what's kind of happening is Nehemiah has a vision. He, uh, he prays, he mourns for several days. Um, I think it was three. He fasts, he prays before the God of heaven. He just feels burdened to go and, and help his city. So one of the things we want you guys to start developing is a vision for your city and a vision for your workplace. So for Nehemiah, what he does is he hears about this and he he prays, he mourns, he fasts, he starts asking the Lord, what, what would you have for me? And the Lord kind of gives him a, a vision to go and rebuild the city. So in a lot of ways, um, Nehemiah's life is marked by this vision of rebuilding the city. Um, so he goes to the king to, uh, and Nehemiah was a, a cupbearer for the this king, and the cupbearer basically uh, kind of was like this secondhand man would would taste all the food and drink before the king ate it. In those days, kings would be poisoned, so the cupbearer was like his most trustworthy person. Uh, if he, you know, he would drink and eat before the king would just to make sure that there wasn't any poison. So that's what, that's what his role was. So he was very important. It was hard for him to leave the king's presence. So he goes to the king. He says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to him. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. What did he first do? He prayed to the God of heaven. We'll come back to that. I said to the king, If it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. So he goes and requests to the king the vision that God's given to him. He prays beforehand that God would give him favor with the king, and the king ultimately grants him his, his request. So what, what do we learn? Uh, we learn he, he has a vision. God has given him a vision, and he trusted the Lord in his vision. So that's the first thing when we think about the summer, how can we best think about our TCP experience? Pray that God would give you vision, like practically, in your groups, personally. Don't just come and show up on Thursdays and just kind of take from all the alumni you're going to hear from. Like, ask God to do something big in your life this summer. You guys are hopefully going to be raising support. If you're not raising support, I really encourage you to, um, because I think it gives people an opportunity to, to join with you 
in the vision of um, doing Twin Cities Project. Um, I got a support letter from Anne. Katie and I are starting to talk about it. We're, we're really excited about what God's going to do through Anne's uh, summer experience. Um, ask, ask for people to join in in prayer uh, to help you think about a vision for your, for your life this, this summer and, and beyond. Um, and uh, one thing I really appreciate about Nehemiah is he's a man marked by prayer. Before everything he does, he stops, he, he, he withdraws, he pulls away. He really follows uh, Jesus in a lot of ways, where Jesus would withdraw, go up to the mountain, spend time in prayer, uh, spend time in fasting. And for you guys, I, I think our lives should be marked by, by prayer too. So think about that, that place. So when I was in California, I was going through this. I would drive to work, and there's a lot of mountains in California, and I would literally drive up these mountains and like go to the top of these hills um, and just bring my Bible and just pray. And it was really sweet. Um, in a lot of ways, I was like, well, what does prayer look like? Well, Jesus went on top of the mountains. I guess I'll go on the top of the mountains too. That's what he did. And uh, that's what I would do. And it was so sweet um, because it was just me. And uh, there was one time where a pack of wolves kind of came up. And it was, it was kind of scary, but um, the Lord uh, protected me. So um, think about where that is for you. Maybe you have a place. Um, when I was at the U, living at the U, I'd go on top of the Oak Street parking ramp, and I'd just go up there and just look over the campus and pray. I, that was what helped me kind of meet with the Lord. So think about where that is for you. Maybe, maybe you have a place in your, uh, in your house or your apartment where it's just like your place to meet with the Lord. Like, get a place like that. Ask, ask the Lord to give you a place like that. In the summertime, Minneapolis, number one city for parks, uh, find a cool park that you like to go to. I like going to Powderhorn Park. It's close to my house. Um, it's really beautiful. There's a nice little lake. Um, that's just I like going there to, to pray and to meet the Lord. So find a place like that. And when you think about the big decisions for you, you know Tyler, he was on the job job hunt. A lot of you guys are on the job hunt. Um, this is a great season for you where you don't have a eight to five or nine to five commitment. Or even if you are working eight to five, nine to five, um, I don't think any of you guys are married. Nope. So you guys have lots of extra time. To, to give to the Lord in, in prayer and meeting with him. And man, let this summer be marked by just intimacy with the Lord. Ask him for vision. Pray. And uh, um, the third thing is, is connect. So here's a couple of things of what not to do this summer. Don't waste your summer spinning your wheels. And what I mean by that is It'd be really easy for Tyler to just take all of his summer um, and just spend it on LinkedIn trying to make connections or, or networking. Or for you guys to just be thinking about how can I, how can I take and get the most out of, out of this summer? What, what are the things that I can do to, uh, to kind of take? But um, abide in Christ. Uh, time and time again, I hear older mentors or older guys say if they could go back and redo their life, if they could go back to their 20s, what would they do differently? And nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, people are, would say, I just wish I would just spend more time abiding in Christ, walking with the Lord. So walk with the Lord this summer. Make this, don't just think, oh, it's just Thursdays and Sundays and maybe I'll help out with the Phillips Kids Club on Monday nights. Like, don't just think of what are the minimums I can put into that. But hey, even though I'm not at the, at the project or I'm not in a, a staff-led discipleship group this, this summer, like, abide in Christ. Like, use this summer Ask him to give you a vision. Let the summer be marked by prayer and through connecting. Like you guys are in small groups for a reason. We want you guys to connect with one another. Don't just think I'll just show up on Thursdays and, and hang out, but pray for one another. Like get each other's prayer requests. Text each other. 
start a group me and you know ask each other for different prayer requests. Um, so that's the first thing. Don't waste your summer spinning your wheels, but abide in Christ. Uh, don't just come to take. Don't come just to take. But ask God to impart a vision for you to give. But ask God to impart a vision for you to give. Man, pray that the Lord would give you a vision for investing in your city and workplace. Maybe you guys already have that. Maybe you already are at a certain job. Um, Chan's working for a Minneapolis public school, so God's calling to that area. Man, pray for MPS. Pray for the Lord to do a work there. Wherever you guys are working, start praying for it and ask God to give you a vision. Um, along with that, don't don't come thinking that doing TCP is going to make a vision happen. Like, don't think that just by coming to TCP, you're going to kind of get a vision. Like, you have to pray for it. You have to ask for it. You have to seek for it. And I think he will, uh, God will give you a vision for it. Um, number four, don't come and just check out. Don't come and just check out. And what I mean by that is you can, like, get to know each other on Thursdays or at these weekend retreats, but then kind of do your normal life throughout the week. And then, oh, yeah, Thursday. Oh, hey, guys, how's it going? Like, connect with your group. Like, have each other over. Um, Pursue each other. Go out to lunch. Go out to dinner. Go bowling. Like, whatever you guys like to do, do it together. Um, I think that will really help your summer. And if we look back at Nehemiah to think about what can we learn from him and how, to, how we can best use TCP this summer, like Nehemiah, he has a vision. So ask God to instill in you a vision for how he wants to, to use, use you in, the, in your city and workplace. Prayer? Man, Nehemiah was marked by prayer before all the big decisions and life choices. Let's go back to uh, Nehemiah 1. Here's just a couple. In verse 4, he says, I continued fasting and and praying before the God of heaven. He does a prayer there. Verse 11 in chapter 1. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servants today and grant him mercy in the sight of his king. So before he talks to the king, he prays. When he's with the king, uh, after the king says, what are you requesting? The very first thing he does in chapter 2, verse 4, I pray to the God of heaven. Um, verse 7, if it pleases the king, let me do this. Um, so every, every, every decision that he had in life was marked by prayer. So let your life be marked by prayer. Um, and then third connection, don't just come to Thursdays, check out, pursue people in your group, volunteer together, do life together, pray for one another. Uh, pray for each other's vision to be developed. Um, do, this, do this in community. Um, so those are the three things that I have for you. Vision, prayer, connection. Um, I'll pray for us, then we can do questions. Uh, God, thanks for the TCP. Um, thank you for giving us the opportunity to learn more about our city, um, to develop a vision for uh, de- developing the city. I loved the Jeremiah passage where it says, Um, build houses uh, so you may live in them plant gardens so you may enjoy the the fruit of the gardens Um, multiply the idea of uh, not just adding but but multiplying our efforts Um, so I pray that you'd give us that vision of of giving to the city not only to to develop and bless the city but inherently when we give to the city when we invest in the city it's ultimately turns around and, and blesses us through through job and employment I pray that as Pastor Mike uh, talked about different opportunities, you would burden all of us with a vision of of how we could give to the city, how we could um, love our neighbors well, how we could um, 
develop a, a vision for, for reaching our employers or our place of work as a, a place to, to share Christ with our, our coworkers. Um, the college campus can feel easy and the workplace can somewhat feel hard. Um, and yet you've called us to not be in school anymore, but to, to transition to the working world. So give us a vision for how we can love our coworkers well. Um, give us a vision for our city. And I pray that the summer would be marked by abiding in Christ for all of us. And that it would be a summer like I had when I graduated, where I would drive to work and commune with you. And I'd travel up the, the hills of the mountain to, to pray. And I pray that all of us would be um, marked by having a, a summer of just abiding and delighting in the, the love and the freedom and grace that comes through knowing Christ. So I pray to that end in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at cominneapolis.org.